Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of No Names All Game. Today is November 26th. That's a Tuesday when we're recording, so you're probably listening to this on a Wednesday, November 27th. Happy Thanksgiving! It is Thanksgiving week. You're either at work and not doing a damn thing, so you're listening to us, or you're at home and uh, dad's a little drunk. Mom's trying not to cry. It's it's Thanksgiving. This is what we do. So we are here to get you out of that. My name is Chris, joined as always by my co-host Pat. Your Nittany Lions are unfortunately 9-2 after a very tough loss at Ohio State. We're going to get into that, but we have a lot of other stuff to talk about. Pat, how are you, brother man? Uh, doing well, man. I'm, uh, I'm a little concerned about your Thanksgiving from the descriptions, but overall, doing pretty well. I mean, I think everyone's Thanksgiving. Listen, if you have a Thanksgiving that is not even <laughs> a little bit interrupted by family drama, you're not doing it right. All right. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, like I said, it is, it is Tuesday, November 26th. I won't lie, listeners, friends, family, I've had a night. I've had a couple of margaritas. I've had a couple of beers. I've moved into my apartment in New York City officially. You guys have heard me talk about it on the last episode, but I am officially moved in. So me and the roommate went out to celebrate. Um, Pat, you might need to steer this episode. How do you feel about that? I'm a little nervous. You're usually our uh, our rudder, our salesman, our uh, our man on the wheel. But I'll see what I can do tonight. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. So uh, we have so many topics to get into, but I want to I want to before we get into the topics, I want to thank. Literally everyone that listens to the show, everyone that follows us on Twitter, we just hit a thousand followers on Twitter. Uh, we're at like a thousand twenty-five. Pat, I'm not like a vain dude. I don't care about followers, but like, it's all right because I do. No, but this is pretty fucking cool, man. Like, you and I, you and I started this podcast um, a year and a half ago, almost two years yeah. at this point. Um, I, I, last year's NFL draft. Yeah. Yeah. Last year's NFL draft. Exactly. I, I predominantly run our Twitter and I, I took the approach a long time ago to stop like following other people just to get follows back and like took the approach of like, Hey, we're just going to put shit out. If you like it, you like it. If you, if you don't, you don't. And more often than not, people have liked it. So I want to give a huge, huge thank you to anyone and everyone who's interacted to us. From like our original followers, I, I know I'm going to miss some, but shout out like Sweens, shout out CJ Scalzetti, shout out Chris26, shout out like all of these guys that have been writing in since the beginning, and then shout out people that are like just finding out about us. I, I tweeted the other day about uh, just Penn State in the NFL, because Godwin had a good day, Allen Robinson had a good day, Mike Isicki had a touchdown, Amani had an interception. Bro, that tweet has retweets now and likes from Adam Talaferro. Am I saying that right? Penn yep. State legend. Uh, Blair Thomas, Penn State legend, Absolutely. likes that shit. Like, this this is the coolest thing in the world to me, and I am never going to be the guy that will tweet out, like, oh, my God, get me to 3,000. Oh, my God, get me. Like, that's not what we do, but we appreciate the hell out of you guys interacting with us. So thank you, thank you, thank you. But you're here for content. So yeah. this episode is a couple of things. This episode is your Ohio State recap. We are 9-2. and two. We lost 
it sucked. We had hope, and it sucked even more. We're going to talk through every single bit of that game. This is your Rutgers preview, quote-unquote preview, because, like, it's Rutgers. Yeah, there's not a lot to say. But also, this is uh, this is kind of a, a quick hitters episode. This is, I always say quick hitters are going to be quick. They never are. Never. Rarely. So every this, once in a while. This episode is going to be the slowest of the quick hitters ever. So let's start with the breaking news. Like I said, it's Tuesday at 11 p.m. Eastern. So what is that, 8 p.m. Pacific time? Uh, yeah. We're working, guys. We're working. Um, college football playoff rankings just came out. Penn State is number 10. What's your initial thoughts, Pat? I mean, I think it makes sense. I think we are the best two-loss team in the country. I, and I don't think there should be any debate about it behind us. Two behind us is Michigan. We beat them. Obviously, we're going to be ahead of them. Uh, at 12 is Wisconsin, who got lost to Illinois, who's not very good, and got absolutely spanked by Ohio State. And then behind us is Florida, who I think only has one ranked win against Auburn, who isn't ranked as high as Michigan, who we beat, and we also have a second top 25 win. And they also got beat pretty badly by LSU. So it, it, I think it makes sense where we are. We have two losses in the top 10, uh, one by five and one by 11. That's not that bad. Not that bad at all. And honestly, I'm, I'm actually very happy we stayed at 10. I was kind of preparing myself to drop a little bit more. Um, I think the fact that we are above Florida is huge. Like, I know we're separate conferences. I know it's not the same indications for bowl games, but it kind of is. Like, um, if you look at the Big Ten at this point, Ohio State will be in the playoff, right? Next week, Minnesota and Wisconsin fare off. One of them will lose. The other one will go to the, pl- or to the Big Ten championship, where they will likely lose to Ohio State. So theoretically, we become the second team out of the Big Ten, which means Rose Bowl or, if they drop us a third, Orange Bowl. Man, it, it sucks that we lost to Minnesota. That that loss is still going to sting. But a 10-2 and two season, Rose Bowl or Orange Bowl, is still pretty damn good. Yeah, and there was a lot of talk about, after we lost to Minnesota, that even coming from you, that we were in the same spot after the loss. Mm-hmm. I would argue that we weren't, because I would, I would argue that if we beat Minnesota and lost like this to Ohio State, we deserve that four spot more than Georgia does. Oh, completely agree. Completely agree, and that Minnesota loss is going to haunt me. Like, because if we win that game and we lose this game to Ohio State as close as we did, who are you going to put ahead of us? Oklahoma, Oregon, Utah, Georgia? No way. So it's upsetting, of course, but whatever. We lost to Utah here nor there. The fact that we stayed. Minnesota. What, guys, I told you <laughs> I had a couple drinks, all right? We lost to Minnesota. It's unfortunate, but we stayed at number 10, which is, which is nice, honestly. Um, Nicole Auerbach of The Athletic tweeted out the committee, quote-unquote, loves Penn State. She seemed, a little, she seemed a little upset about that, so we invited her on our show. Will she answer? Probably not, but Nicole, we would love you to be on our show. Awaiting a response. Awaiting a response. So uh, it is what it is, guys. We have two losses. We're going to blow out Rutgers. We'll get to that preview later. 10-2 and two on a season where we thought it might be an eight and four, and I say we. When I say we, I mean the pundits, because you and I, I, you and I, I, I called like nine wins. I think 
I'm pretty sure I said ten and two is realistic, eleven and one is dream. We'll, we'll yeah. put, we will splice that audio in right here. But you and I were very hyped on this team. Either way, here nor there, uh, we'll get to the Ohio State recap in a little bit. But let's get to some of these not so quick hitters. Let's start with the breaking news of today. Justin Shorter is apparently in the transfer portal. What's your what's your gut reaction? Uh, this is pretty upsetting, if you ask me. Uh, he's a kid. He's underperformed so far, especially considering how high he was highly he was recruited out of high school. But I I still felt like he was you know had the potential to be the wide receiver of the future for us. Um, has all the the tangible things that you want in terms of size and speed and hands. And it I mean it hasn't worked out yet, but I I still thought it was going to. Yeah, it's it's super tough for me. So let me uh let me give a couple of prefaces. Number one, just because someone is in the transfer portal does not mean they need to leave. Let's make that abundantly clear. Lamont Wade was in the transfer portal last year, decided to stay, and is having a magnificent year. What's weird to me though is that he en- entered it now. Um, I think I think it's about that time though. It's about that time of year. You're going to see a lot of people. Uh, we saw Quantel Reigns, who is a was a four-star prospect out of Pennsylvania, defensive back. He landed. Uh, he was one of our top prospects. Landed at West Virginia. He is now in the transfer portal. Uh, we saw Antonio Alfano, former five-star DN from Alabama, in the transfer portal. He ended up at like Colorado. So it's that time of year. You have a game or two left. People are going to end up in it. I just didn't see it happening for shorter. Like I really didn't. Um, like you mentioned, he was a, a five-star recruit, number one wide receiver in his class. Unfortunately, freshman year, we didn't see a lot of him. There was some speculation that that was due to injury. That was due to him taking a little bit longer to acclimate. We didn't know. We didn't know. So we were expecting this year to be the year. He had 12 catches, man. 17 targets. Like, as much as I want to say, like, what the fuck? How do you blame the kid? He was non-existent in this offense. No, I get it from his perspective. I just, I didn't see it happening. No, I didn't see it happening at all. Like, there's, we'll, we have a couple of Twitter questions later that we'll get to of, like, guys that might transfer. Spoiler alert, Ricky Slade. Um, Justin Shorter was never one that I expected. So, like, this is super, super, super difficult because five-star recruit, number one wide receiver, we saw Julian Fleming, who is the number one wide receiver of this class, go to Ohio State, and he verbally said, I saw how they used Shorter as a freshman, or lack thereof, and that concerned me. So I think the conversation needs to be had at this point of Jawan Johnson left because he wasn't fitting in the scheme. Justin Fields flipped because he didn't think Joe Moorhead was going to stay. Julian Fleming didn't commit because he saw how we didn't use Justin Shorter, and now we might lose Justin Shorter because we didn't use him. If you're not keeping top talent in skill positions, and if you're not able to secure top talent in skill positions, I I hate talking about like badly about people, but it's got to be on Ricky Ronnie. I don't know, man. I think not everyone in college pans out, dude. I 
I honestly, I, I won't go as far as to say I don't understand the hate on Ricky Ronnie, but this is a guy who's like coordinating one of the better offenses in college football over the past couple seasons. Like, I, I think it's pretty unwarranted. Like, people break down every time he makes a bad call. I'm like, what were we doing here? Like, you can watch any football game, and there's any offensive coordinator or a head coach in the world that just like makes nothing but the perfect call every time. I, I'm sorry. The fact that I was this Penn State offense puts up points very regularly, except for against the best defense in the country. I'm not like I'm not sold on this Ricky Ronnie is a buffoon thing. I think he's a good offensive coordinator. Are there better ones? Of course there are, but he's a good offensive coordinator. I, and I think suggesting that he's not good, considering the performance that Penn State has put up offensively, the points they've put up season after season under him, it's a little ridiculous. I don't know. I, I think you and I disagree on that. Like, I don't think he's a buffoon by any means, but like, we are, we are a, at this point, a top ten team who is knocking on the door of a top five team. We saw it a couple years ago. Franklin got rid of Donovan, brought in Moorhead, and things started to change. Right, the last two years, um, and I'm not even going to speculate on gas. Those offenses under Donovan though were horrendous. Horrend. That's what I mean. That's the difference. Penn State's uh, averaging like over 24 points a game. We're sure, and the, the points are there, but it, it's the consistency. And Franklin even said this in his in his uh, press conference today: is it's about consistency. Can we be consistently great? And I, honestly, I don't know. It worries me. And again, I, I tweeted this out earlier. I don't like talking negatively about people or individuals. I have no idea what George, Justin Shorter's situation is. I have a, no idea what Ricky Ronnie's situation is. So I, I don't like necessarily commenting on what they are or what they do, but it seems like a trend where we've gotten by because of our talent. We haven't gotten by on our skill, or I'm sorry, on our scheme or on our play calling, and we'll get to that when we get to the Ohio State recap. I don't know, man. This, this sucks because Justin Shorter is an exceptional talent. I, I truly believe that. He has missed a couple of balls this year. Sure, but... Again, out of 17 targets, if you're going to judge someone on that, you're ridiculous. I think he can be a true number one, a true number one, if he is involved in the scheme. And it just scares me that we're we're leading him to walk. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't. I'm not saying like I blame this on Justin Short and he's not a good wide receiver. I'm just saying you talk about consistency. Penn State's had three games this season where we haven't hit 21 points. It's pretty good. <laughs> no, no, it's it's very good. But it's... considering we have a first year starting quarterback, and I, you know, we we've got one of the most electric wide receivers in college, and I think the best tight end in college. Those guys are going to get a lot of targets. And we also have a very balanced system where we're not passing the ball exclusively. We're we're pretty re- uh, run and pass balanced. Like just, there aren't going to be targets for everybody. And also, Jahan Dotson has been like a pretty great surprise. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's unfortunate. Like, would I love to see Shorter be more involved in the offense? Absolutely. But I don't know how much of that is Ricky Ronnie, how much of that is the mojo between Sean Clifford and Justin Shorter, how much of that is Justin Shorter's not getting open often enough. I'm just – if you look at the output of Penn State's offense under Ricky Ronnie, I'm not sold that he is not a good offensive coordinator. Yeah, I get it. And I, I think we'll agree to disagree on this one. I think my biggest thing is, like – 
if if it was a shorter problem of not running routes right, not getting open right, not having the hands, that that gets addressed in the first couple of games, man. You don't go an entire season not targeting a guy who was the number one wide receiver in the country. I know recruiting doesn't always pan out. I am a recruiting nut, and we'll get to that in a little bit. I I'm totally totally okay with that, but I just, I feel I feel bad that this guy didn't get a full chance. That's what I feel. So like whether he leaves, whether he doesn't, I wish him the best of luck. You and I are both very pro. Like, dude, go where go where it makes the most sense for you to succeed. Like, dude, we we had someone on our Twitter today telling us like, oh, he should be blocked from going to another Big Ten school. Dude, shut up, man. Like. If he's going to transfer, he's going to transfer. I hope he succeeds wherever he goes. And I think you will agree with that. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to see him go to Ohio State or Michigan. But I understand. Of course not, but like, whatever. Hope he succeeds. Here nor there, Justin Shorter is in the transfer portal. Um, we could diatribe this for hours. Let's flip to a positive. Our guy, Michael Parsons, is a Dick Butkus finalist. For the best linebacker in the country. Yeah, I mean, he absolutely deserves it. The kid's been on fire all season. Uh, I think the only game he hasn't like come close to 10 tackles is the one where he got ejected in the first, first half. Uh, he anchors this defense. He's so quick to read plays, react, get to the line of scrimmage, blow plays up, even when he's not the one who makes the play. And it's even more incredible considering... He's been playing linebacker for two years. That is my biggest thing, man. I tweeted out the other day, like, people don't realize this kid came in as a highly touted defensive end. In high school, he played defensive end and running back. Running back. He, he wants the ball so bad. He asked Franklin all the time to let him kick return, let him run one. Like, the kid ran the ball, and he rushed the quarterback. Towards the very end of his high school career, he started playing a little bit of linebacker, but for all intents and purposes, he has played this position for, at max, two years. Last year, real game reps, he played behind Koa Farmer and got enough to play. Second year, first year real start, and he's a finalist for the best linebacker in the country. And honestly, I think he should win it, man. We, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. I don't, I don't study linebackers. I don't know every linebacker, but... The way he diagnoses plays, the way he adapts to things, the way his athleticism just takes over, I don't know how you give it to anyone else. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd be very surprised if he doesn't win it next year at least. I think he's going to win it this year. I really do. I don't, think, I don't think we can put that bet down anywhere, but I think he's going to win it this year. So, Micah, we love you, man. We're going to talk about you a whole lot more when we get to the Ohio State recap because you had a fucking great game. But shout out for being a dip, but Dick Butkus finalist. I told you guys I had a couple drinks. I'm going to mispronounce some words. All right, next up, um, big week for Penn Staters in the NFL. Big. Did you watch NFL football this week? I did. We also kind of covered this. <laughs> yeah, I know. Did we? Yes. <laughs> How did we cover this? I mean, you didn't give out the stats, but you, you, you talked about what they all did. Ah, whatever. All right, anyway, quick, quick stats. Godwin, seven receptions, 184, two touchdowns. Allen Robinson, six receptions, 131, touchdowns. Gasicki, 
first NFL touchdown, Amani Oruwarie, first NFL interception. I don't know, man. I just, I love this. I, I love seeing guys succeed, and especially guys like Gesicki and Amani, who maybe didn't get the shine early on and are now coming to it. Not to mention Miles Sanders been quietly having a very impressive rookie season. Very true. I didn't I didn't add him on here. He had I think 70 80 yards like he is just super super consistent for that Eagles offense. And for a rookie running back and not the only running back there that's very impressive. Yeah. Yeah, so apologies if I repeated and, these things, but it's fucking cool. Yeah, you're, I mean you're seeing our guys ball out in the NFL like on a pretty high level. Uh a lot of guys on the offensive side of the ball for first time in my memory, at yeah. least of being a Penn State fan. Oh, big time. And, and it's awesome, and it's going to drive more recruiting to the school, and guys are going to see that they can have success on both sides of the ball in the NFL coming from Penn State, and it's only going to make things better for us. Absolutely, man, and, and that's what it is. like, And that's why we talk about these things about like Justin Shorter, about potentially Ricky Slade, about Ricky Ron in the offense, because it's a continuous cycle. It's recruit top talent develop them into great college football players who go into the NFL and make a ton of money. That's the business, man. Like, it's super, super simple. So we flip to the other side of it, recruiting. Um, you and I were texting about this a little bit earlier. You're getting into the recruiting world, Pat Kalikia. Yes. Uh, tell, me yes. About your, tell me about your first foray into 24-7 or Rivals. What did you, what did you learn today? Um, that there is... Uh, Pat Calicchio out of Bergen Catholic High School, New Jersey, <laughs> who is, uh, we won't get into star rankings or anything, but a prominent offensive tackle coming out of Bergen Catholic, a football powerhouse, only a junior. Get ready for a big senior season out of him. You'll be seeing him on some big boards next next year. So to recap, there is a guy who has your name. He's my uh, he's from, like my fifth cousin. From your hometown or from no, your... No, no, no. He's not... He's from New Jersey. From New, yeah, it's close enough for me. From your hometown, has your name. He's from New Jersey, and he's he's a recruit. So we're gonna try to get Pat Calicchio recruited. But anyway, um, we he's like a, my fifth cousin or something. It has to be. Has to be. No, no, he is. I, I've oh, I've actually, him and, okay. yeah, I've met him and his father. Okay, so all of you guys also named Pat Calicchio. All of you guys go pump up Pat Calicchio from Bergen. That's right, baby. Uh, so we've had a couple of requests to talk a little bit more about recruiting. We haven't done it so much throughout the year. Um, so we have a couple of updates from, from some of our 2020 commits. And you and I were talking about this earlier. I personally, I will always use the 24-7 composite rankings. If you're not a recruiting nut, 24-7 is, is probably the best site for recruiting. And their composite rankings, what they do is they take an average of their rankings Rivals, ESPN, and a couple of the other major sites. So it's, if not the most accurate, it's the most consistent because it's always it's always average. A lot of people like to pick and choose every every time a commit is announced, they'll pick whichever service is the highest. We like to stick with the the twenty four seven composite. That being said, twenty four seven themselves made some updates to their own rankings, and three of our guys were featured, which was really really cool. Uh, Curtis Jacobs, he is a linebacker from Maryland. He is our currently top commit. He is a four-star. They wrote a really, really nice piece on him talking about how his senior year has been incredible, and he is bordering on five-star. So you want to talk about linebacker you? Obviously, we have Micah for one more year. Jesse Luquette is going to slide into a spot. 
we have Brandon Smith, we have Lance Dixon, and we have this guy, Curtis Jacobs, coming in. Man, I think this kid can impact from day one. Number 34 overall, it's fucking good. I mean, I'm excited to see Micah, Jesse, Brandon Smith, and this kid Curtis all playing on the same defense. I, I, I love Brandon Smith. I, you know, he's been productive as a freshman, which is just honestly pretty incredible. And I think there's so much more to come out of him Like once he starts playing more, seeing game reps. And, it's, and it sounds like a similar kind of situation coming from Curtis. And I'm excited to see these guys all playing together. Hell yeah, it's, it's, it's been that, right? We've seen Micah as a freshman get significant reps. Now we're seeing Brandon as a freshman getting maybe not quite as significant, but good enough reps. You're going to see these kids continue to play. As much as we talk about a five-star wide receiver and Justin Shorter not playing, the linebackers are getting there. Kurt Jacobs, we love you. Uh, next up is Keziah Holmes, four-star running back from Florida, has had an incredible senior season at one of the better Florida programs. He is continuing to rise up the board. Uh, he is one of two four-star running backs from Florida that we have in this class. So it's Kasai Holmes and Kevon Lee, two four-star running backs. I'm sure we'll talk about this a little bit more when we get to the Ricky Slade conversation. And then uh, lastly, this is a big one, uh, Zariah Fisher from Aliquippa, which is right out in Pittsburgh. He is listed as a D-end slash linebacker. They're not quite sure where to fit him yet. 24-7 moved him up hundreds of spots, like hundreds of spots in their rankings. Said they were wrong about him initially, how fluid he is in space, how good he is attacking the ball. They moved him from an 86 or an 85, wherever they had him, to a 92. That is a low three-star to a high four-star. That is a huge jump. Huge. Yeah, I mean, that's insane. And the fact that they, like, if they're seeing it this early before he's even in college, that's got to tell you something. Absolutely. Just to overcome your own opinion and be like, wow, this kid's so much better than we thought. Yeah, and, like, everyone, everyone will have their own favorite recruiting service. Personally, if you're still following ESPN recruiting services, grow up or in 2019 there are a lot better ones uh rivals i don't love they're 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 okay 24 7 to me is the best i i will use the composite to average things out but even so like seeing three of our guys get some praise is really 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 good um we are currently the number 14 ranked class this season i can see that moving up as some of these guys move from four to five and from three to four We'll see some good things. Um, the last thing on recruiting, uh, slightly negative, Theo Johnson, who is our top remaining target. We have a ton of kids in the class. We have like 28 kids. We can only take 30 tops. Uh, Theo Johnson is our top remaining target. He's a tight end from Canada, the number three tight end in the country. He was supposed to commit on November well, Technically 18th. not in the country. I would Ooh. guess he's the number one tight end in the country. You caught me. You caught me. He is the number three tight end in North America. Uh, he's the number one tight end in Canada. Uh, he was supposed to commit on November 18th. He was kind of considered a Penn State lean. Unfortunately, pushed his commit out, which when a kid is when a kid is highly linked to a single school and pushes it out, that typically isn't a good thing. He's building suspense, I think. I hope so. I hope so. He's a really good tight end. We've had a history of really good tight end so you hope he can be sort of the the cherry on the top 
But otherwise, this is this is a solid recruiting class. It's not the top five or top ten that we've had the last couple of years, but it's still pretty good with a lot of key players in it. Yeah, I mean, this sounds pretty damn good to me. 14 in the country, and it sounds like it's rising. Yeah, exactly. Like, you can't be mad at that. So, um, James Franklin, keep doing what you're doing, man. Uh, let's move to uh, the other side of, of the coin, NFL Draft. We talked last episode. These are our quick hitters, and we are 28 minutes in. Sorry, guys. Um, last week, we talked about guys who might declare, who might not declare, who can go early, who can't go early. Um Matt Miller from Bleacher Report did another mock draft. I love mock draft season. I'll say that. Are you a big mock draft guy or no? Yeah. Okay. I'm a big mock draft guy. I, I don't like it. getting into it until I know who's declared and what the order is going to be. 100% fair, and honestly, that's how it should be. I'm a psychopath, and I love reading all of them. So, like, I do. So, Matt Miller, he is uh, from Bleacher Report, one of my favorite draft experts. Just did another mock draft. He has Yitor Gosmatos going number 28 overall. That's late first round to the Seattle Seahawks. They have uh, Davion Clowney leaving. Uh, I think E. Ansah is leaving. Like, they need edge rushers. He has Yitor going late first round. I've seen mock drafts Yitor going like number 15 overall to the Tennessee Titans. Long story short, Yitor is gone. Yeah, he's gone. I, you don't get projected as a first-rounder and come back. I our, our last episode where we had the guys on, we did our group therapy, I, I, I put out the hope of, like, Yitor has a decision. No, motherfucker. Like, he's gone. He is an incredible talent. He's an amazing person, as we've seen through all of the articles that Bleacher Report and ESPN and Game Day have done on him. Like, high-character dude, proven production. Kid's going to go first-round, and I am so He's going to test high, too. Oh, my God. Yeah, because he's an athletic specimen. Like, he's yeah. going to do so well, so well at the combine. I hate to see him leave. Got, yeah, he's going to go. And then the, I think the two we got to think about are KJ and Pat Frymuth. Exactly. Excellent segue by you. This is by our co-hosts. Um, let's jump into this. So we, we talked about it last week of who will stay, who will go. So let me run down real quick. Guys that are out of eligibility, guys that we are 100% losing. And this is in no particular order, but Garrett Taylor, Weston Carr, Jan Johnson, Robert Windsor, Stephen Gonzalez, Nick Bowers, John Reed, Dan Chazena, Cam Brown, Blake Gilligan. Some big hits there, but nothing the team can't work. You know, I think there's, you know, it's a next man up kind of thing. Yeah, 100%. I think, I think you look at starters, you've got Garrett Taylor, uh, Jan Johnson, Robert Windsor, Gonzalez, Bowers, Reed, Brown, Gilligan. So uh, Taylor and Reed, we have some young secondary guys that we've talked about. Uh, Chizena's been nice for this year, but whatever. I love you, Chiz. I'll say he's been best on the punt team. Yeah, exactly. Like We're not going to miss him. I love you, Dan, but like, sorry. Um, Steven Gonzalez, uh, we've talked about the O-line. Nick Bowers, I've, I love that Nick Bowers has had a senior season because he's been plagued by injury his whole career. And he's been, he's been a clutch player for Penn state. Like I don't think I see him being drafted in the NFL, but you know, he could, you never know. He could get picked up as a free agent. You never know. I think, uh, I think probably the two that will miss the most out of that crew is Cam Brown and Blake Gilligan. Cam Brown has become an excellent linebacker for us. 
a leader on the defense. Like, I mean, it's hard to say so much about him. And then Blake Gilligan, for as much as we've knocked on him and as much as we've said he's had some bad outings, the kid's been a a weapon. Like, he's been a weapon. Yeah, I think we're going to miss John Reed and Garrett Taylor pretty heavy, too. I do. Especially as leaders on the D. I do. I do. And they are leaders. This is me probably being a little bit cynical of like our recent past events, but yeah. I, I love John Reed. I love Garrett. Like these are guys we love. They're gone. I'm rambling. Let's move on. Um, seniors with junior eligibility. So these are guys that are in year four, but they can come back for another year if they want to. Here's what we're going to do, Pat. I'm going to tell you their name. Okay. You're going to say, yes, they go to the draft. Or no, they come back. All right. You ready? Yes. Shaka Tony. Comes back, but might leave. He, he's one that has such physical tools that I could see it, but I think coming back makes so much sense. We've been wrong in the past, but I believe it. Uh, Antonio Shelton, defense tackle. Stays. I agree. Stays. Michael Mennett, center. Stays. I am a little concerned. He is He's on the Remington Award watch list. He's getting a ton of praise as one of the top centers in the country. Would not shock me if he leaves. I think he should stay. Would not shock me if he leaves. And the last of our seniors with junior eligibility, Will Fry. Stays. I think all of these guys stay, to be honest. I think if anyone does leave, it's going to be Shaka Tony and Michael Mennett. But I think uh, Michael Mennett, in my opinion, would wouldn't get drafted until like at best the sixth round. Uh Shaka Tony could sneak up there until like the fourth or the fifth. But I would he could also fall like to the last or go undrafted. Yeah, we, we saw Ryan Bates who left early and we loved Ryan Bates last year offensive tackle when undrafted. We we've seen guys go undrafted that we thought were going to be amazing. I love Shaka. I love Mike Mennett. I think one more year in college would do wonders for these guys. Yeah. And this, this isn't this isn't even selfish like I want them back. This is I think it would do wonders for your stock. So those guys have some decisions to make. Next up are the juniors. So this is I didn't break it out. This is either true juniors or juniors with sophomore eligibility. Either way, 3 years in college, they have the eligibility to leave. First and foremost is probably the most controversial one. Pat Frymouth, technically. Gone. Technically, you think he's gone? Yeah. I hate that you say that because I don't want that to be true. I think he is, though. With the importance of tight end of the league uh, nowadays and just how good he looks, I think he's gone. He Pat Pat could literally be a second-round pick at worst, I think. I think. And I'm obviously, we're not draft experts. I think he'd be a second-round pick at worst. Make a shit ton of money, go into the league and crush it. But goddamn, I want him back. He's so good. He like he he gives off the feeling, just like emotionally, that he might stay. I feel like, but if I just looked at it objectively, like guys who are ready to leave and would pretty guaranteed top three rounds, I I pat five me to there. Yeah, um, I mean, we mentioned it last week. He he said, "I want to win the Mackey Award next year or the year after." Like he's alluded to wanting to stay. I think he's like. A team guy. That's the only say. thing that makes me think he might stay. Yeah, but it's it, and it also comes down to like, yes, you love your team, but millions of dollars is a different conversation. So like, yeah. 
it's super tough, but he, he is the one that maybe we didn't think about coming into this year, but might be the most impactful. So, Pat, we love you. We wish you the best. Please stay. Um, next up, Yitor Grosmatos. Gone. Gone. 100% gone. I love this kid. He's going to go first round. He's a He is a dominant edge rusher. Guess what? I don't care if he doesn't get the notoriety that Chase Young does. He had nearly identical stats to Chase Young in the Ohio State game. Like, against a top four, three offensive in the nation. The kid is a absolute monster. He's going to go in the first round, and I can't wait to buy his jersey. I don't give a shit what team he ends up on. I'm going to buy his jersey. I mean, I, I don't know if I'm going to buy his jersey, but I'm excited to see him play on Sundays. All right, you two, I'm going to buy your jersey. Uh, next <laughs> up, juniors, uh, KJ Hamler. Gone. You think? He's been projected in, like, the second round now. Um, only thing that might make him stay is I think this is a really loaded wide receiver class. So he might stay just to be in. I don't know what the wide receiver class next year looks like, but I can't imagine it's better. So he might stay just to like get a, a more of a guaranteed bump. Yeah, th- this year is loaded. You've got the, the three guys from Alabama, Judy, Ruggs, and fuck, I don't remember the other guy. you got C.D. Lamb from Oklahoma. C.D. Lamb from Oklahoma. You have a lot, lot of guys. Matt Miller, again, I referenced him earlier. You can you can take your pick of the quote-unquote draft scouts. Matt Miller's my favorite. He has him as his number seven wide receiver. Says he's likely a mid to late round two pick. Compared him to Hollywood Brown of the Ravens, who honestly is not having that great of a year, but is showing unbelievable flashes with Lamar Jackson and just like lighting shit up. So like, if you're KJ, if you're KJ, you're looking at this two ways. One, I can go to the NFL, make a ton of money, continue to develop my craft, and hopefully impact the team. Two, I can come back, continue to develop my craft, and get beat up one more year. Like, that to me is the decision, and I, I hate saying it, but like, I wouldn't blame him if he leaves. Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I, I think I see him going. The only thing that might keep him is the, how loaded this wide receiver class is. Yeah. Yeah. So either way, I, I, I think, I hate to say it, but I think Pat is very likely gone. Yitor, definitely gone. KJ is probably the one. Likely gone. KJ is probably the one I'm on the most on the fence. Uh, let's run run through some, some other juniors. Personally, I don't think any of these guys leave, but just so all of you listeners are informed, these are guys who could leave. And, uh, you know, what? I'm just going to name them all, and then, Pat, you tell me if, and if you think any of them even remotely think about leaving. Ready? Mm-hmm. Journey Brown, Tariq Castrofield, Jaquan Brisker, Matt Kippenhammer, Ellis Brooks, Sean Clifford, Lamont Wade, Mike Miranda, CJ Thorpe, Des Holmes, Jordan Stout. I could see Lamont Wade going. That's about it. Lamont Wade has had an incredible year. An incredible year. After, after putting his name in the transfer portal and coming back, quick plug, um, he has had a really, really, really good year. I don't, I don't know where he lands in the safety rankings. I haven't looked at that. I think one more right, year. So I don't think he will, but I, he's the one I could see. I think one more year benefits him so much. If it's anyone for me, I think it's Mike Miranda. Um, I think he is a, he is an offensive lineman who has been praised for his physical skill set since like day one. 
and to this day still gets praised. I think if anyone from that group, like I told you, I'm a little bit worried about Minute. I think Miranda maybe, but man, you listen to all these names. You think about if all these guys come back, how good this team can be next year. Yeah, I mean, it, there's a lot of potential. For this there's team so season. much potential. So, I mean, that that's the rundown of guys that can be eligible, are out of eligibility, and might think about leaving. Yeah, we, we lose some starters. We definitely lose some starters, but I think we have backups that are ready to take that over. And then I, I really do think the big the big conversations are Pat Frymuth, KJ Hamler. Etor's gone, 100%. Pat Frymuth, KJ Hamler are the two conversations. So I hope they do whatever is best for them, whatever is best for the family. I hope they succeed. That being said, I hope they're back in the blue and white. Yeah, oh, kidding me? Yeah. All right. Um, I think those are the quick hitters 40 minutes into the show. Do you have any, anything else you want to talk about? No, that's all I got, baby. All right. Let's go to awards. Uh, do you have a Big Ten baller and or bozo? I do. Um, all right. The baller is one. I, I hate to name him, but I'm going with Shea Patterson. Oh, I hate that. Quarterback out of Michigan, but he threw for over 350 yards and five touchdowns. Five touchdowns. So, I'm, he had one interception, but with five touchdowns, I'm giving you a Big Ten baller of the week. Yeah, you allow it. You allow it. Yeah. And then my bozo, going with Greg Schiano. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I actually I kind of hesitate to call this one a bozo because he's either a bozo for all the things that he demanded, which are over $4 million a year salary with a $25 million guarantee on day one of his contract and unlimited use of a private jet funded by taxpayer money, by the way, because Rutgers is a public university. I love it, though. Or he's a genius because he didn't want to turn down a head coaching job, so he just demanded so high that he wouldn't have to go to Rutgers. So I'm not sure, but I think he's a bozo. Yeah, I, I apologize for not being creative, but uh, Shea Patterson was also my bowler. Honestly, there weren't that many bowlers this week in the Big Ten. Um, no. A couple other guys who did okay, but Shea Patterson did ball out. Credit Credit where credit is due. He had a great game. My bozo was going to be Rutgers University for not hiring Greg Schiano. Because, and I will tell you this, because if you hire Greg Schiano, not only do you secure a competent head coach, but you had two former five-star recruits that went into the transfer portal within the last three weeks. Antonio Alfano, Top D end from New Jersey, who was a Penn State lean, ended up going to Alabama. You probably could have recruited him to come home to Rutgers and play for you. He went to Colorado. And then five-star wide receiver Justin Shorter, who unfortunately has left Penn State, you probably could have recruited to come home. But guess what? You didn't hire Greg Schiano. You're going to hire some other schmuck who's a nobody, and you are going to be in perpetual terribleness, and these kids are going to go elsewhere. So, Rutgers, you are my Big Ten bozo of the fucking week. I, I got to give it to Rutgers on this one. I think they made the right move. I, who else are they going to get? You can't hire him for all that money. Who else are they going to get? 25 guaranteed day one of his contract and unlimited use of a private jet. You got to remember, they're a public taxpayer fund, funded school. They'd be hearing about that forever. Yeah, 
Yeah, I don't know. I I just I think they like I think hiring a coach and giving stability would have done so much for Oh, and by the way, the use of the public jet was for no, was stipulated also for non-football and recruiting oh, related really? things. Yes. <laughs> so you could just explicitly like, stipulated that he could use it for anything. So you could just go up to Puerto Vallarta and like hang yes. out. <laughs> That's like, actually kind of amazing. It, it was explicitly said that he wanted it for non-recruiting related activities. Okay. My respect level for Greg Schiano just went up a little bit. Not gonna lie. <laughs> Not gonna lie. But anyway, here nor there. Uh, hey, if you're still listening, we've been rambling for 45 minutes at this point. We appreciate the fuck out of you. Let's talk Ohio State. Yeah? Yes. Okay, yeah. so um, we went into Columbus. We lost, unfortunately. Are we, are we doing a lion lamb? Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. All right. Uh, we lost, unfortunately. It's it's one of those, we're going to do a high-level overview, and then we'll go into lion lamb. Um, for me, it was one of those where you guys know I'm optimistic as hell. Like, I, I breathe optimism for this team. As soon as the game started, I was just like, eh, I don't feel it kind of thing. So even when we started coming back, even when we started like, oh, shit, this might be real, I didn't let myself fully believe it. So, like, the blow wasn't quite as big because I was just kind of letting myself feel the loss from the beginning. What was your thoughts? Did, did you go through the roller coaster? Did you believe? What, where were you at? I, I, I started believing that we would come back. But to be honest, this is the least bad I've probably ever felt about a Penn State loss. Because at the end of the day, like, we really shouldn't have won this game. Yeah. Like, I, dude, I watched that game and the whole time. I was like, fuck, this team's good. And I thought, you know, we made mistakes and, like, you know, things happened. But I did not think we underperformed as a team, especially with Sean Clifford going down. I thought our defense played their ass off. Oh, yeah. Forced Ohio State to make multiple mistakes. Um, in the second half, did a pretty good job holding J.K. Dobbins to not tearing us up completely. Uh, didn't let Justin Fields absolutely murder us. Held Ohio State to, I, I think, probably the least amount of points they've scored all season. Yeah. And, like, managed to put up 17 points against a, the number one, the nation's number one scoring defense that I think they average like double digit points a game, right? I mean single digit points a game. Single. I'm yep. I'm sorry, like this team is I think the best team in the country. Like they're just really fucking good. And, I don't, and they showed it this week, right? They got the number yeah. one ranking in the CFP. They jumped LSU for beating us, like whatever. And there there are no moral victories. We cannot take a moral victory, but you can take a positive. Like I, I literally tweeted I tweeted that earlier. Like Listen, this game sucked, but there are some positives to take. And there's this dude on Twitter. I'm not even going to say his name, but he's a fucking miserable curmudgeon. He literally t- changed his name to Matt Rule to PSU. Oh, this fucking guy? He's an idiot. The worst. The worst. I'm not going to say his name because I don't want to give him publicity. But I-, I tweeted that. I was like, hey, literally sucks. We're all heartbroken. But some positives to take in this game. He goes, losers don't get positives. Fuck off, dude. Fuck off. But anyway, so let's let's start okay, with the positive. The fact, the fact of the matter is, like, Penn State shouldn't have won this game. No, listen, I, I they're I, a better I, team than us. Like, I, I hate to say that, but they are right now. This is the most realistic we've ever been, and the mo- it'll be the most realistic we ever are. Ohio State's the best team in the country. Ohio State is the best Ohio State team that we've seen in our fandom. Going back, even to- just like there were multiple plays I watched where we had guys hit holes. And Ohio State defenders came in so fast yeah. to, like, keep them even to, like, just, like, medium yardage plays. I was like, man, against every other defense we've played, that's a huge chunk play. Like, yeah. 
Yeah. They so, were all over the place, man. So They're good. They're just this. really fucking good. They're, they are good. We're not going to suck their dicks all, all episode. Let's start here. Let's start with the Lions because there are some good things to take away. There's some really good things to take away. I think we might have the same person, or at least we're going to have the same top two. Who's your Lion of this game? Lamont Wade, man. I mean, I don't have to run you through the stats. He had like 10 tackles, two for loss, a sack, and three forced fumbles. He was incredible. We don't even have to go into why he was. Three forced fumbles. I'm going to go into it a little bit. Listen, Lamont Wade is one of my favorite stories in my Penn State fandom. I literally, I just mentioned you. I have been a Penn State fan since 07, 08. Like, I'm not a lifelonger, and I'm okay admitting that. Like, I've been a diehard since 07, 08. Um, Lamont Wade was uh, a guy that I loved coming in. Loved. Highly touted. Five-star. From Pennsylvania. Wasn't sure if we were going to get him. Came in and, like, we weren't sure where he was going to go. Then he hits the transfer portal. We're like, oh, shit. And then he comes back and he's fighting for a starting seat. I, I can give you the whole rundown. He's been awesome. This guy has played his ass off all season. Not even just game. All Season, he's played incredibly well. Three forced fumbles against one of the top offenses in the league. I don't care. Like, people were getting cute about, like, the one against Fields on, like, the goal line. People were like, oh, that was lucky. Bro, he dove in like a torpedo and crushed it. You give credit where credit is due. Lamont Wade there is, is the no line. luck, man. No, Lamont, sports. Lamont Wade is the line of this week. I'm going to give a couple of honorable mentions, but Lamont Wade is the line. He is the fucking man. I lo- did you see his tweet? He no. T- he tweeted out. Uh, he tweeted out something like, uh, "Your apologies should be as loud as your criticism," or something like that. Saying like, you know, whatever, whatever. And s- he tweeted something else, and somebody tweeted back at him like, "Hey, good game, Lamont." And he replied with a screenshot of that same Twitter user saying, "Lamont Wade is a liability." Ultimate trolling. That's funny shit. Ultimate troll. It's amazing. Because, like, you see these guys on social media. It's 2019. Of course they see shit. Like, we've said some shit in our day. We've said some shit, and we're going to own it. But that just made me so happy to see that. So, Lamont Wade, you are a lion of the week, man. I want to give a quick, quick honorable mention. We'll talk about these guys in a minute. Micah had a great game. Yitor had a great game. Love, 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 love you guys. But Lamont, you're a lion, man. You're an absolute lion. Hell yeah. Lamb. Who's your lamb of the week? Michael Mennett. Ooh. Uh, multiple miscues with uh, Will, Will Levis in important situations. One time he just didn't snap the ball. Twice he snapped the ball when, Met, uh, when Levis was coming to the line trying to uh, call audibles. And he just... I mean, he and in like important spots. We went from a fourth and two to a fourth and seven, and then I think he did it again. And so then we were backed up to a fourth and twelve. I just like those were mistakes that really couldn't happen. Like I thought those mistakes killed our chance at a comeback almost as much as that interception did. Yeah, the interception is brutal. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, interesting. I I I. Oh. Totally see what you're saying, um, but I, I kind of, I almost put that on uh, Franklin and Ronnie because Franklin in his press conference said, he goes, we prepared for the crowd noise, but at the end we were just guessing the cadence. He literally said we were guessing the cadence. 
bro, I don't care. I don't care if it's a backup, if it's a third string, if it's if it's a walk-on. You have to have a backup plan in place for a loud atmosphere. You can't just guess the cadence. So, like, I, I'm okay with it being men, and, like, I get it. They seem to be the only one that was not getting it, though. Yeah, but is it his fault, or is it is it lack of preparation? I don't know. I don't know. That's a tough one. That's a tough one, because... Again, Franklin literally said, he goes, we couldn't hear, so we were guessing the cadence. That's a bad look on everyone involved. Not good. Um, my my lamb, I, I was going to go Franklin and Ronnie, but I think we're going to get to them in, in some Twitter questions. So I'm going to go John Reed. I don't like doing it, but I'm going to do it. There was the play in the end zone. Um, I'll say this. Uh, Justin Fields made some incredible throws. Incredible throws. Uh, the one touchdown to the left side of the end zone was absolutely perfect. Nothing we could do about it. But there was the one touchdown to the right side of the end zone. John Reed was there. He was playing incredible coverage and just didn't put his hand up. And this seems to be, again, I am not a defensive back. I will never play college football. I will never play NFL football. But it looked like he could have made a play on the ball and didn't. And it's just fucking killing me. He had, I mean, it didn't have the same result, but he had one like lack of play on the ball that was actually even more disturbing. Wasn't I think it might have been Ohio State's opening drive where he almost had that interception. Did if you replay that, he put his hands up like he was trying to make a basket catch, like with his palms facing mm-hmm. the receiver instead of facing outward towards the ball. And yeah, that was the most alarming thing I've ever seen out of a defensive back. It's like he's incredibly athletic. You know he can play the ball. The one in the end zone, he played. So, so well. And the guy goes up and catches it. All like literally put your hand up, just try to break it up a little bit, and maybe you disrupt that. And sh- and it just kills yeah, I mean, I think John Reed's a very good cover corner. Yes. His but his like ability to attack the ball this season has not been impressive. I agree. I agree. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get into too much because John Reed, I love you, man, but you're my lamb of the week. Uh, let's get let's get into the game in general. Um, a scuffle before the game. What did you think about that? I saw that. Um, you know, hey, I, I kind of loved uh, Jaquan Brisker's role in that. I, I loved it in general. Shirt man. off with the hood on. <laughs> I loved it in general. You had a couple of our guys shirts off out there fighting for, and maybe it's not starters, maybe it's, whatever. I loved it, man. Like everybody wants to talk about: is this a rivalry? Is this not a rivalry? Dude, getting a little getting a little chippy before the game. I'm okay with it. Um, getting into the actual game, it was uh, it was a rough first half. Our offense looked anemic. That's that's the word that you say when you're a person or media reporter. I'm saying word anemic, anemic. Like we looked really, really, really bad. Um, defense did not look great first half, but all things considered, only let up 14 points. The first drive was the worst part for defense. Oh, was it ninety something rushing yards? Yeah, just we couldn't even come close to stopping what they were doing. On the first drive, they accomplished more rushing yards than we have let up per game this season. Yeah, that was rough. Not good. Um, but I'm not gonna spend a whole lot of time in the first half because realistically there's not a whole lot to talk about. So let's move to the second half. Defensive adjustments. And we've given shit to Brent Pry in the past. We've given shit to the defense in the past. The adjustments for the second half defense, I thought, were fantastic. 
What did you think? Yeah, I mean, the defense was – what did we give up? I, I mean, I, if you actually kind of look at it – Seven points a quarter. One touchdown a quarter. Not bad. Not bad and at like, all. Pretty consistent. Well, honestly, it's not bad at all. Like, again, one, again, one of the better offenses in the country. And it's it's tough because we don't want to uh, we don't want to make like you know we don't make excuses, but like against one of the better offenses in the country, that's not bad. Yeah, I mean, this was not this just wasn't going to be a game that we were going to win twenty one to seventeen. You know? No, of course not. And and this honestly, had to be a game where our offense came out and made a lot of plays, and it just didn't happen. Yeah, so let's talk about the defense a little bit. Obviously, we talked about Lamont Wade as our consensus lion earlier. Just incredible. Guy's playing absolutely lights out. Micah Parsons, um, we mentioned as a Dick Butkus finalist, this kid is the real deal, man. Like, this kid played his lights out. What did he have? 10 tackles, 11 tackles, tackle for a loss. He had a fumble recovery. Like, big-time players make big-time plays, and he did it. I mean, the fact of the matter is, you know, was our defense dominant in this game? No. But this was the first time Ohio State, I think, their offense has even been remotely challenged this entire season. Oh, absolutely. And we limited them to one score a quarter. I don't think anyone else has come close to doing that. It's the first game their starters have been in the whole game. I mean, the fact that we're the only team that's played them close at all. Yeah, I was just going to say. And it started with the defense. Yeah, I was just going to say, there, again, there are no moral victories, but um, there was that quote from J.K. Dobbins. They asked him last week, how do you feel about finally having to play a four-quarter game? And he was like, why does it have to be a four-quarter game? Guess what, dude? It was a four-quarter game. Yeah. Um, Micah Parsons. I'm, I'm, the, at the end of the day, like I'm just, I'm proud of our guys. Yeah, Micah Parsons. You know, they went, we went down bad early. They didn't give up. They fought back. They lost their quarterback. They played like that didn't matter. Yep. And they made this the hardest game Ohio State, the best team the country has had all season and probably will have. Yeah. So let me round out the defense because I know we're running. I know we're running long. Uh, Mike Parsons, ten tackles, two tackles for loss, fumble recovery, amazing. Um, Yitor and I tweeted this out. Listen, I know defensive Big Ten defensive player of the week means nothing. The announcers suck. Chase Dick or Chase Young's dick. I said Chase Dick's young. That's funny. Chase Young's dick more than anything, bro. If any Ohio State lineman made a tackle, they were like Chase Young, Chase Young. I get it. He is the best player in college football. I get it. They gave him defensive player of the week. I get it. You're promoting the brand. If you want to look at stats, man, Yitor had almost identical stats. Nine tackles, two sacks, three and a half tackles for loss. I get it. Chase Young is amazing. He's going to go top two in the draft. He's incredible. And the difference was Ohio State's offense still moved the ball where ours didn't. Exactly. So that's a good segue. This is why we're co-hosts. Let's move to the offense. We've 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 talked about defense. Unfortunately, it wasn't enough early on. Wade, Micah, Etor, we love you guys. Um, let's move to the offense. Clifford injured. Levis comes in. What was your thoughts? I thought we were fucked, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I was like, oh, this is gonna be fucking bad. And then Levis starts running. And you're like, oh shit, okay, might be good. Like Levis, strings together some passes. I mean, he, we're gonna jump into Twitter questions in a very quick minute. Levis ran the ball 18 times. 
through it 11. It was basically, he was very effective in the run. That's all it was. Like, not a lot Which changed. was the smart thing to do with the backup quarterback. Sure, not a lot changed. It was just, he was really, really effective. Um, looking at the running backs, and listeners, I'm sorry I'm wrapping this up, but Journey Brown, really, really good. Again, one carry for Noah Kane. He must still kind of be hurt. Slayed. I think Journey was just a hot hand. He was playing well. I, I think so, too. I think Journey played incredible. But one for Noah? I would like to see more. Uh, Ricky didn't travel. Devin didn't get a carry. And then there are some, frankly, Ronnie questions. Let's finish this up because we're running out of time. We're at an hour already. Let's jump into Twitter questions because this will this will get the debate going. Uh, I'm a person at Scarce Pat says... QB controversy, or is quick, or is Cliff unquestionably the guy once healthy? What do you think? There's no controversy. Um, and he's he's still the better passer. He's been effective in that running game all year. He just didn't do it today. He's a, I think he's a better quarterback than Will Levis. Yeah, I think this becomes very much a Trace Tommy situation, where Cliff is the better quarterback, but Will offers a skill set that might not be comparable. And you're like, how do we get them both on the field? I'll be honest, my biggest curveball is like, what if Michael Johnson Jr. or Taquan Roberson show up and like, hey, I'm in the mix too. Um, I think there, there's probably a question on this later too. What do you think happens this week against Rutgers? Who plays? I'd say, I don't know. I would figure they would announce it. I think Levis plays, man. If, if Clifford's not 100, 100%, 100%, why risk it? Yeah, I feel you. Play Levis, get him some reps. Get him comfortable in an offense. You're going to beat Rutgers no matter what. Like, crush it, and then Cliff gets the bowl game, and then you have an offseason to think about things. That's yeah. sort of where I'm at. Uh, Chris Lions26 says, Ricky Slade didn't even travel for the game. Transfer, transfer portal announcement incoming? Question mark. I would guess it. I'd be surprised if he doesn't transfer. Uh, at this point, he's got three guys in front of him in the room and two four-stars coming in. And he's no, he's got to. He want. I'm sure this kid wants to play NFL football. He's got to try and make a name for himself somewhere else because it doesn't seem to be happening at Penn State. Yeah, it's it's very sad because of the hopes that we had for him. Uh, he didn't travel because of a violation of team rules. It wasn't because they weren't going to play him. Something must have happened here nor there. I think the writing is on the wall. I do think we see Ricky in the portal very soon. It sucks because like I had, I had so many so many hopes for this guy, but we do wish him the best. Um, Ron Burgundy, too, at PSU Fan 1977 says, Would a more creative offensive coordinator take us to the next level? Our offense always seems to struggle in big games. I mean, of course it would. And so would having, I don't know, Joe Montana be our quarterback. <laughs> but I don't, I don't know where these more creative offensive coordinators, I don't know where you're picking them out of the air. The fact yeah. is we've got a good offensive coordinator, we're already at, a very high level. I don't see us firing Ricky Ronnie as improving this program. I I disagree on that one. And we'll there, get... There's any amount of hypotheticals like, oh, would uh, you know, would having Ray Lewis and Sean Taylor in their prime take our program to the next level? No, oh, maybe. Of course, of course. <laughs> no, I'm I'm with you on that. We can't we can't get too fugazi on it, but I do think I do think a lot of these trans or not a lot of these transfers. This transfer plus missing out on things plus questions concerns i think ricky is a problem 
I don't want to talk about another man's job. I'm sure he's a great person. We're going to get to that in a second because we have another question on it. Um, but to Ron Burgundy, yeah, I do think a more creative offensive coordinator would take us to the next level because I think what we see, honestly, maybe even in the Moorhead days, like a lot of us want to say Moorhead was amazing and Ricky sucks. I will let me take that bias out. Even in the Moorhead days, we had like we had some flashes of greatness and we had some stall. So I think our problem is consistency. And yes, I think an offensive coordinator would make that better. Uh, Walk on Red Shirts podcast says, could Penn State use walk ons and beat Rutgers? I don't know if we have enough walk ons to fill out an entire roster, but Pretend I'm sure you could find enough talented walk ons across the country to beat Rutgers University. Yes. Yeah, I, I'd say we beat them. We wouldn't cover the minus 40. I think we'd beat them. <laughs> yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, walk on Red Shirts says, what's the worst location for a bowl game? Um, this depends on whether you're a player or someone watching the game at home. Watch the game at home. I got to go with the Hawaii Bowl. So I don't know what time that thing takes place. Yeah. But I feel like it's horrible. Do I need to set my clocks? Do I need to stay up? It's stupid. Yeah. And as for, for like a player, I don't know, probably somewhere in Ohio. Yeah. Like Coffeeville, Kansas or some shit. Yeah. Um, do you support eliminating divisions and going with pods? What the hell are pods? I don't know. Walk on red shirts. Come on. Aren't those with whales swimming? Walk on Red Shirts, come on our show, and, and we'll talk about that. And finally, from Walk on Red Shirts, whose mascot is creepiest, Purdue, Clemson, Oklahoma State, or Western Kentucky? Oklahoma State has the creepiest mascot in the history of anything with a face. I was going to say Purdue. That shit creeps me the fuck out. Dude, I've seen horror movies that have less creepy dolls than Oklahoma <laughs> State's mascot. I'll say this. If you have a mascot that is like a, a, a larger-sized human being with a comic face, creepy as fuck. Uh, Nick Rocky, do you think Will Levis may have just dropped a huge bomb on the starting QB1 position for next year? He definitely adds a new aspect to the position, and the power he has in his arm is crazy. Absolutely not. I, I, all right, let's let's address. <laughs> let, no, let, let, actually, this is good. Let's address this. Here. Let's address this here. Will Levis played well. He played really well. He ran really, really well. I don't think his running ability surplants him above Cliff. I think it becomes a conversation of how you use them together, but for me, it's a uh, it almost like his running ability bailed out Ricky Ronnie. Like the play calling wasn't. I good. think it bailed out him. The play calling wasn't good when he came in. It was just that he wasn't going down. I mean, I think Ricky Ronnie knew what he was doing with the guy he had in there. Eh, I don't know about that. There were a lot of design quarterback runs. And yeah, there were a lot of design I, I don't, quarterback I don't think this throws a wrench. I think Sean Clifford's a better passer, and he's been one of the leading rushers on the team throughout the season. I, yeah. don't see, I don't see Will Levis bringing anything to the position that Sean Clifford doesn't have, except that he's a little bit harder to tackle as a runner. Yeah, yeah, and I think, that, I think that's what it ends up being, is I think Clifford is still the guy, and I think Levis becomes the Tommy Stevens. He's going to be in there for the running plays, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, we didn't use Tommy Stevens that much, though. No, not at all. Uh, Nathan Paisley, did you realize Chase Young lines up in the neutral zone 80% of the time? Still a great player, and in my opinion, the best in college football. That's something that Coach James Franklin can get on the refs for and help his guys out. Didn't notice at all. Actually, I did notice it a little bit, but I think this is a, I think this is just a trait of the elite pass rushers. If you look at a Vaughn Miller, if you look at a Khalil Mack, if you look at any of the guys in the NFL – they're going to take every inch that you give them, and if they can push that limit, so be it. Like, I, I did notice it a little bit, but it's not something you can argue, in my opinion. 
Uh, and last Twitter question comes from a friend, Brandon Beal, who was on our show last week, Minnesota Preview, says, was a game of field position to be played when we shown we cannot stop their offense? Didn't attempt two makeable field goals. Stopped letting KJ return kickoffs. This, to me, is the biggest conversation to be had of this game. What are your thoughts on this? Because we let two field goals go by when we were on the, I think it was the 36 and the 42, maybe? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I think these were two missable field goals. And the fact, I, I think it was, yeah, it was a field position thing. Their, their offense was moving, but we were able to stop them at points. And the fact of the matter is, I don't. we weren't going to win this game with field goals. I think the coaching staff knew that, but it's not going to be two field goals that makes makes the difference here and that we have to try to stop them from scoring and then put the ball in the end zone. So I'm okay with how, how they did that. Yeah, but do, do you think those, I mean, six points in a what did we lose by, you know, I mean, that that's – yeah, but do you think do you think those are decisions that like you change your identity at that point? I understand the decision, and at the at the end of the day, I mean, it kind of turned out to be right. What does six points get us? And and if you miss either one of those field goals, there's a good chance that turns into a score with that short field. Yeah, that's fair. But I think I think uh, I think their offense is moving the ball so well, like. If they start in their 10 or they start in their 30, it doesn't quite as matter as much. I would have liked to see, hey, get the points on the board and be aggressive. Um, but agreed, 6 versus losing by 11, sure. I, I, I don't know. It, it felt like we were playing for field position against an offense who was moving on us really well early. Let's, let's flip to the KJ uh, kick returns, though, because this is one that actually puzzled me a whole lot. KJ Hamler is a guy that we have seen return the ball in situations where he has no business returning the ball. He loves taking the ball out. He loves making something out of nothing. And we saw, what, two, three kick returns where he fair caught it? Like, what do you make of that? Yeah, I don't know if that was a coaching decision or KJ's decision. But it seemed like one of these things, get guaranteed yards where you could take them. Because I think he had one or two where he didn't make it out from 25. And it was... It's just this was the type of game where we couldn't afford that kind of that kind of start. Yeah, but I think I think on the flip side of that is that's changing our identity be, to be too conservative to try to play into like art. If we be conservative, we can beat them. Whereas, man, use your weapons. Like use your weapons and beat them. I I mean I get both sides of it. I don't think again this is not what lost us this game. Yeah, fair. At the end of the day, I don't think this makes the difference. Fair. All right, here and there, um, guys, if you're still listening, I'm still a little drunk, and I appreciate you listening to us a whole lot because we're rambling. Um, Ohio State lost sucked. Honestly, if it, what kills me more is the Minnesota loss because if we, if we beat Minnesota and we lose to Ohio State like we did, probably number six right now. I would argue that we should be number four. Yeah. Yeah, but we're still in that talk, you know what I mean? Yeah. The Minnesota loss kills me more than the Ohio State loss because we should have beat Minnesota – Ohio State, I'm okay losing to their superior team. Pat, let's do our quote-unquote Rutgers preview. What do you think is going to happen in this game? My preview is it would be a bigger upset than when Appalachian State beat Michigan if Rutgers beat Penn State this week. Oh, I don't think there's a world that exists in this universe, in this multiverse, that they beat us. Like, minus 40, yeah, I'm going to take the Hank and Hart line. 
we're going to cover 40 and we're going to go over 49. We're going to win this I'm game. Going, I'm going with the uh, Calicchio Classic. Of course if Sean you are. Clifford plays, of course Calicchio you are. Classic, 45 nothing. Uh, we're going to win this game 58 to 2. They're going to get a safety or some stupid shit. No, that's dumb. Uh, it'll be like a 58 to 3. They'll get a field goal. We're going to cover. We're going to score a lot of points. Um, if, if Sean Clifford doesn't play, I'm calling it 35 nothing. If Clifford doesn't play, then I'll give you that. But if uh, if, if he, he does, forty-five nothing. We're still going over forty-nine. Easy money. All right, uh, this episode's going on an hour and thirteen minutes, guys. I appreciate the hell out of you listening. I appreciate the hell out of you interacting with us on Twitter. This is another good season. Let's reiterate: it is okay to be upset with losses and also be super proud of the team. You can have both. You can love this team and be upset with not being in the college football playoff. That's what college football is. So get excited, beat the shit out of Rutgers, and you know what? We're going to go to a good bowl. We're looking at maybe Outback, maybe Rose, maybe Orange. Who knows? But hopefully it's New Year's Six Bowl. Pat, what do you got for the fans, man? What are you um, Also, about? more bad news for Penn State fans this weekend. Oh, God. For the first time in nearly four years, Penn State Wrestling has lost a dual meet. What? 60-match uh, win streak snapped. To who? At Arizona State. Are they good? They were number five in the country. They're very good. All right. Well, they, um, Penn State five, also didn't bring one. a. They did. They didn't bring a full lineup into the match, and we lost by one point. Um, still a better team than Arizona State. Uh, if Penn State comes in with a full lineup, we most likely win it. But this is the first time Penn State's been very vulnerable in a couple of years, and it showed. It's been a tough week to be a Penn Stater. Friends, listeners family please put your thoughts out of Penn State wrestling uh get them back to number one and Penn State football you know we're gonna be in a good bowl uh we will out of all our points we will talk all off season about the James Franklin rumors about you idiots who want him gone all that kind of stuff we'll talk about it all but for right now we are focused on Rutgers 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 we are